Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be with all of you. Before we really get started this morning, I've got a couple of things that I really want to handle. First and foremost, I want to say thank you to all the people who helped yesterday. I know some are still in bed because, yes, it was a long day. Yes, it was tiring. My feet are hurting as well. I told Jennifer I was wearing my old man shoes today because they're the most comfy shoes I got. But I want to say thank you to all that helped with parking lot, with serving, with cooking, with setting up, with tearing down, with just making all of our veterans feel welcomed, loved, and supported. That's something I take very seriously. And it's something that Jerry's helped to instill in me. But the reason I take it very seriously is because of their sacrifice and the sacrifices of men and women before them, I am able to do what I do right here without any oppression whatsoever. We forget that we live in a bubble. We forget that we live in a bubble to where we have the freedoms to exercise our faith, to exercise our religion, and also exercise our rights. And at this time, I would like to ask any veteran who is in our midst to please stand at this moment. All of you stand, stand, please stand, stay standing for a moment. Because I know that when you enlisted, you did so with the helps of sustaining peace, freedom, liberty, justice, and equality to all the people of the United States of America. I know you also did this with the hope of doing the same for the world, as we've seen in many foreign conflicts. I know that you have battled Governments, tyrants, and many other forms of oppression to people all over the world and even to people in the United States. And I am thankful for your service. I commend every single one of you for doing what many did not. A veteran pulled me aside last night and it's, it's something that I can't get away out of my mind. Less than 1% of citizens of the United States will serve in our military. Church, this is our 1%. Let's show them the gratitude they deserve. They're not the only ones I want to recognize. If you are the mother, the father, the spouse, or the child of a veteran, I would like to ask you to please stand right now. For many of you, you sacrificed time with your loved ones and it's not overlooked we know that there were many missed anniversaries birthdays graduations family events etc and while nothing that we can do can ever redeem 
the time that you have lost with your loved ones. I hope that our gratitude for even your sacrifice is not something that you miss out on today. We love you, we appreciate you, and we thank you. Because of, because of these men and women, we get to exercise our faith. And that's not something that we should take lightly. Like I said before, we live in a bubble. We live in a place where we can freely exercise our faith without any oppression whatsoever. That hope of peace, liberty, freedom, justice, and equality is something that all of us long for, not only in our nation, but also in the world. But when it comes to the United States, we are extremely blessed. Because of what they've done, we've got to the freedom to exercise many rights. This Tuesday, many of you got to exercise the right to vote. That is nothing that we should ever take for granted because in many places all over the world, the people don't select who runs the country. Take it serious, people. It's a right that's given to you. It's a privilege that's given to you. And as citizens, it's a responsibility given to us. But there's other things we exercise too. We talked about it a little bit this morning. We also have the right to exercise our rights to bear arms. Great thing, isn't it? For all those who love to carry guns, and I know some people don't like that right, but at the same time, it's a right that we have to exercise. There's lots of other things we exercise. We're, at, we're exercising just what I talked about. We're exercising our freedom of religion right now. Some of you will go home and exercise at home. As you notice, I don't participate in that exercise. God bless you for participating in that exercise. But as believers, we also start to exercise our faith. And that is when we start our walk with Christ. We start trying to live out our faith in the things that we do, in the way we treat people, in the way we love people, in the way we tell the world about Jesus. But there's something else that we need to exercise a little bit more. And it's not something that I think a lot of us think about exercise. Today we're gonna to talk about exercising hope. Not something you think about exercising, is it? You don't think that, you wouldn't think that we would have to exercise hope. Because when we think of hope, we always think about the things that are to come. Just like the song that they just sing. We long for the day that we see Jesus coming. We long for the day that he comes to collect his bride. But are there ways that we can exercise hope on a daily basis. One of the biggest problems, I believe, in the church today is that we don't exercise the hope we have as redeemed believers in Jesus Christ. Not only do we not exercise that hope that we have, we don't exercise that hope that others have in being redeemed believers of Jesus Christ. This is the point that the writer of Hebrews is trying to get to. 
as we, uh, and drive it home as we dig into chapter 10 of Hebrews this week. Really battled with how far we were going to get to go. Um, I am going to read chapter 10, 19 through 25, but I am not sure positive that we will get through all of it. Yes, we have a future hope. That is certain. But that future hope does not leave us in limbo. Because there is a hope for today as well. We hope for the things of tomorrow. But let's never forget about the hope that we also have today. So if you will, follow along with me in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And this is what the writer says. Therefore, brethren... Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which is inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from, the evil, from, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day draw near. Let's pray. Father, as I said before, I just want to thank you, Lord, for the hope that you have instilled of me of the day that your son will come to collect his bride. I want to thank you, Lord, for the faith that you've given me as well. To know, Lord, and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But Father, there's many days that I live on this earth and it seems pretty hopeless. And Father, that's the same for all of us because we get caught up in all that's going on around us without even considering that you have given us hope for today as well. Father, I just pray that you would help us, Lord, to get, have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what your word has for us today. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to assemble and Father, I pray, just like the writers just said, that we do not take it for granted and that we will hold fast to it, encouraging one another, loving one another, and supporting one another, even as that day draws near. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for this word that you've given us. And we thank you for this new way of life that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> so 
So over the last couple of weeks, I've got to experience all kinds of avenues of hope. Um, yesterday, we were so blessed to be able to have our middle school ensemble. Brian, thank you for getting that lined up. That was awesome. But it was so funny, not funny. You could tell these kids were nervous. First, they're the only kids middle school age there. There were no middle school age kids there. And they're walking into a group of veterans. And they know they're about to sing the national anthem. And I kept seeing this boy, the one boy that was in the ensemble, he kept doing this. He kept wiping his hands. And I know his little palms were just sweaty from being nervous. And why? Because in my heart, I believe he had the hope of doing a good job of singing the national anthem before all these veterans. The boys have got involved in U6 basketball. You want to talk about hope? There's a lot of hope in U6 basketball. When you have these little kids that can barely get the ball up eight feet in the air, there is a lot of hope. And what's funny is, bless their heart, I'm going to try to reenact it. If you watch most of them shoot, when they shoot, their butt goes out, but their, but their front end goes forward. And I just messed up my mic. But to watch the hope that they have that that ball's going to go in the basket, it's just amazing. And then when they make a basket, watch the boy yesterday. He did a parade around the court when he made one go. You would have thought the world was at the top pinnacle of his life by him making that one goal. But hope is something that all of us need. Hope is ambition. Hope is desire. But hope is also redemption. All of us long, just like I said, for peace, freedom, liberty, justice, and equality. But that's something we also long for in our faith life as well. Our faith is what we believe in Jesus Christ. Our hope is what comes from that faith in Jesus Christ. What are we hoping for? What are we longing for? Hope, just like faith, is one of those things that has to be exercised. If you don't use it, I'm not saying you lose it, but it does grow weak. Just like faith, if you're not daily exercising your faith and sharing your testimony, faith can grow weak. If you're not daily exercising your faith in God's word by reading it, again, your faith can grow weak. And when your faith grows weak, your hope, is what suffers. Things look bleak. Things look dim. The world looks hopeless. But the hope we have as believers is different from any other hope in this world. You see, our hope is not limited to this world. Our hope is set on things above. Things that we can't even comprehend. Things that we can't even understand. Things 
that sometimes we can't even see. But our hope is still very much need of being exercised. So let's look at what the writer of Hebrews says. The writer of Hebrews is trying to remind these guys, these Hebrew people that he's talking to, that while they're good at exercising their religious practices, the sacrifices, the memorizing of the Torah, all these things that they held to, keeping the commandments. While they are good at all of this, it has become nothing more than a routine. They continually do it day in and day out without full understanding of what is really taking place. And what is suffering? What is suffering is their hope. We see it all throughout the Old Testament with the children of Israel. They always lose hope. When they're in the wilderness, me and Aaron were reading about this the other day. When they're in the wilderness and Moses goes up on the mountain, what did they say? We don't know what's happened of this, Moses. Aaron, build us a God. Build us a God who will go before us and fight for us. What had happened is they lost hope. All the battles throughout the children of Israel's life. You see it time and time again about how the children of Israel would lose hope, especially when the Ark of Covenant was out of their sight. It's funny that every time the Ark of Covenant was present in one of the battles of the children of Israel, they always won. But when it was taken from them, stolen from them, they lost all hope. Our hope and what is to come and what is today is very much the same thing. If it's not something that we are not applying on a daily basis, we lose it. They had, they had great practices and exercise in their religious practices, but they had very little experience in exercising their hope with God on a daily basis. And here's what gets me. 2,000 years later, we are much the same. We are all anticipating the blessed hope of the appearing that is to come of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But in verses 19 through 22, the, reminder, the writer reminds us of this daily hope that we have. Verse 19, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ. All of the practices that the children of Israel did were to get into the presence of God. They could never be present face to face with God, just like we could never be present face to face with God. Many of them could not even be present or into the tabernacle. Why? Because they were not the priest. Many of them had sins, just like us, that hindered them from being in that presence with God. So what did they have to do to get rid of these sins? The sacrifices, the rituals, the ceremonial cleansings. 
But at the same way, we have lots of things that we feel like we have to do to be in the presence of God. Be honest with me. How many of you here today feel worthy to be in God's presence? None of you. Not even one. And you know what's amazing? He is here. None of us feel worthy. None of us feel like we are at that level that we can be with God. None of us feel like we have done enough to earn that honor. All of us have these things in our past and even in our lives right now that continue to hinder us from taking a step forward and truly experiencing God. Mr. Blackaby once said in his book, Experiencing God, that the number one thing hindering mankind from experiencing God today is their lack of hope in what Christ has already done. Their lack of hope in what Christ has already done. If you are a believer, a true believer in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there isn't a sin on this earth that separates you from him. Notice I said, if you are a believer, no sin separates you. If you are not a believer, there is one sin that does separate you from experiencing the true righteousness and holiness of God. And that sin is your unbelief. See, as believers, we have already uh, grabbed on to this hope that we can do nothing. We can do nothing to get ourselves to God. And since we can do nothing to get ourselves to God, we know that we have to hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We all know that, right? So what keeps you from exercising your hope and approaching God on a daily basis? What keeps you? It's the same thing that keeps me. It's the same thing that keeps me from approaching. Because still deep down inside, I don't feel good enough. And deep down inside, you don't feel good enough either. But verse 19, he says, we have confidence to enter into that holy place. And verse 20 further emphasizes this because he says we have a new and living way. The Bible is often comparing the life of a believer between dead and alive. Paul uses these examples many times. Before we come to Christ, we were dead. We had no hope. We had no forgiveness. We had no assurance that there would be any salvation for our lives. But once we come 
to knowledge of Christ, we come to a new and living way. This way is hope. This way is hopeful. This way is hopeful because we know that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, as Paul said, that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from him because the work that he did on the cross is finished. But you see, this is where I struggle. This is where I, as a believer, still struggle to this day. And I know many of you do it too. Because most days I feel like the hopelessness of this world and the hopelessness of me trying to live a good life sucks me in and leaves me spinning in a vortex of uncertainty. You know what I mean? As a believer, you feel like you take one step forward and then Tuesday comes, you take two steps back. Wednesday comes, you take another step forward. Day after churches are hard. Thursday, you take three steps. Whoop! Tommy, did you put that there? But you take three steps back, and Tommy puts something for you to trip over. But we get into this regiment, don't we? We feel like we've got to continually work our way to God. But he's already worked the way to it. And he did it through his son. If your hope is in what you do, then you are hopeless. Because you will always be knocked back. And then in verse 20, he re, uh, 21, he reiterates this. He says, but we have this high priest over God's house. Do you know what the person of the house is in charge of? The person of the house is in charge of who is let in and who is not. And the beautiful thing about it is When you come to know Christ, Jesus swung the door wide open. You no longer have to hope that you get there. You have a hope that you are there. But at the same time, this vacuum and this vortex of guilt, shame, and regret keeps sucking us in. There was a time in my life not too long ago. Actually, it was 2012. I'll tell you the day, I'll tell you the year it was. 2012 was a hard year for me because I constantly went through this battle of old Scotty and new Scotty. A lot of you are new to the area, so you have yet to hear the rumors of the old Scotty. We killed him, seriously, we did. He's dead. 
Jesus, help me. But even though I knew the old Scotty was dead, there was still a lot of junk and garbage that I had to battle through. And that junk and garbage really put a stifling point in my ministry. Why? There is no way God can use me if I've done this. There is no way that God can be honored by a man who believes he is called to be a pastor if he did that. And I constantly battled it, guys. Day and night, I battled it. Me and God had a little, literally, yelling match. He never yelled back, though. It kind of ticked me off. But we had a yelling match in my front yard one night. And I kept asking him, God, if this is what you desire for my life, please let me know and let it be clear. And what's amazing about it is the next day, a song was released. And when I heard the first line of this song, it's as if I was hearing God speak right to me. And the song starts off, I'm just going to read the first, line, the first couple of lines of it. It says, seems like all I can see was the struggle. Haunted by the ghost that lived in my past. Bound up in shackles of all of my failures. Wondering how long this is going to last. And when you looked at this prisoner... And said to me, son, stop fighting a fight that has already been won. I realized that I was putting myself back in a jail cell that Christ had already opened the door to. I was putting broken shackles back on my wrist that Christ had already removed. And I was putting guilt on myself that Christ never threw at me. And when I heard those words, son, Stop fighting a fight that's already been won. And then the chorus starts in. I am redeemed. I lost it. I lost it. I lost it because... The hope that I was trying to live in my life was the hope of me doing the work of God. The hope that I was living in is the hope of what I can do and what I can't do. And I had to go back in a journal and find it. But that night, the night that that song came home, 
This is what I wrote in my journal. It's impossible to live in the hope of today when when we bound ourselves in the guilt, shame, and regret of yesterday. As believers, the hope that we have is living. It's breathing. And it is fresh every day. And that's why the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. You know what that's saying? That's saying, in Christ's eyes, you are redeemed. And, from, and our bodies washed with pure water. Reference to the world. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. And the reason we can hold to that profession is because the one who promised it is faithful. Many of you have the same daily battles that I do. And those battles come down to this. Your life, a lot of days, feels hopeless. And it's hopeless because you continually mess up. But when we're in that state of thinking and living, just being real, it's proof that our hope really isn't in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's proof that we're still holding on to that old, dead way. That way that the children of Israel struggled with. That way that the early Christians struggled with. That way that the early Hebrews struggled with. And that way that we struggle with. And we are called to a new and living way. That doesn't mean that it's okay to just go on and sin as you want. But it does mean this, that the guilt and shame that you hold on to are not held on to the one who ultimately judges us in the end. In his eyes, you are forgiven. You are clean. And you are redeemed. And this matters.
And this matters because people who don't feel forgiven, people who don't feel clean, and people who don't feel redeemed don't show those qualities to others. And we'll get into that a little bit next week because as a church, we are called to a new living way. But today, I think we just need to bask in knowing I'm forgiven. Say it. I am clean. I am redeemed. Not by what I did, but what, what Jesus did for me. Let's pray. Father, some of the simplest fundamental truths of our faith and even our hope are the hardest ones to grasp. But when I read this scripture, Lord, and I see what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get through these Hebrews' heads, I don't feel so alone anymore. Because, Lord, I know they struggled with the same thing. I know they struggled with the constant reminder of themselves bringing up their faults and their failures. But at the same time, I know that Jesus never looked at our faults. He didn't look at our failures. He looked at us as his creation, his masterpiece, fashioned with his own hands. And he was not willing to allow anything to separate us from him. So he came, Lord, and he made the ultimate sacrifice to give us forgiveness of sins. Father, this is the hope that not only we look forward to in the days to come, but this is the hope that we have today. That Jesus Christ, the only one who has the right to judge us, looks at us and says, not guilty. Father, help us to brace that. Help us live in this new and living way and let go of the dead hope of our past. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For some of you today,